0: This is the Truth For The Matters podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and this is episode 115. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. As a matter of fact, let's give y'all a round of applause for tuning in today. Thank you so much. Myself and Daniel hope that you continue to press play at your own convenience and during your own time. So let me give you a little bit of insight to what's going on right now. It is now Monday, 1244 AM. Just finished a long shift. This is my time when I start to wind down. Normally I'll be reading scripture. Normally I'll be reflecting over the day that I've spent. However, this is during a time when myself and Dana normally record, and I appreciate this time because I've had time throughout the week to prep for what we will be discussing on the podcast, and now that this day has arrived, I'm truly grateful and appreciative of this opportunity that I get to provide you with some of the thoughts and ideas that went around in my head during this week. And we get to dive right back into the Word of God, right back into the Gospel of Matthew series. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to pray first and foremost. We're going to continue that pattern. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for freedom. And that's to Christ Jesus, of course. We thank you for free will. We thank you for renewal. We thank you for a mind that is able to reason. Lord God, as we open up your word today, bless us. Continue to give us a reason to trust you. Give us a reason to keep the faith. Give us a reason to continue to study ourselves approved unto you, Lord. Keep us on the straight and narrow. Help us build on the rock and not the sand. Remind us that we are the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. Therefore, Lord, all who are listening and tuning in and agree with what I've shared. We say this, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen continuing with the gospel of matthew series i'm going to take you to matthew chapter 6 and we're going to look at verse 19 through 24 and we're reading this out of the esv english standard version do not lay up for yourselves treasures on heaven with moth rust which destroys where thieves break in and steal But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for neither he will hate one and love the other, or he will devote to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I want to repeat that last portion. No one can serve two masters, for neither he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to. The one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Specifically, that's verse twenty-four. So when you look at verses nineteen to twenty-four, one can make the argument that each section of this verse—verses nineteen to twenty-one, verses twenty-one to twenty-three, and verses twenty-four—can be constructed into single messages. In fact, I think that would be a great idea. I've done that quite often, right? I've broken up portions of scripture and highlighted and just unpacked it to the degree where we've sort of adventured and we explored the different portions of how we can see that verse and how it can become alive and how it can be applied to our daily life. But I saw something much more deeper. Again, you can look at these and you can see how they could be separate talking points and they could be separate messages. But something knocked at my heart differently this week. And I thought that the messaging was much more deeper when you looked at verses 19 through 24 as a whole passage and not separate points. Now, when I unpack it today, We're going to look at them separately, but I want you to see how they will make more, much more sense when you look at it as a whole. All right. So. Let's do that. Now. There was a question that I asked myself when I looked at this passage, and it's something that I want you to ask yourselves once you have finished tuning in to what I have to say today. And the question is simply this. Where does your heart lie? Now, let's look at specifically verses 19 through 21. And it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rush destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. When I read this passage, this verse break down verses 19 through 21. It appears to me that Jesus in one sense is challenging us while also informing us that we should be cautious in how we handle material possessions we have and the value we place in them. I'll repeat that one more time. The challenge I think Jesus is bringing to us is is that he's informing us that we should be cautious in how we handle material possessions we have and the value that we're placing in those material possessions. Now I know with certainty that there's nothing wrong with having nice things. God in no way is telling us that we can have nice things. I want to put that idea to rest. Want to put that idea to bed. And yet he's reminding us to be mindful of the things we place value on. And he's given us the opportunity to do that personally. I repeat that again I believe what Jesus is doing Is that he's reminding us To be mindful of the value We place on things And he's allowing us To personally decide What its meaning is to us Jesus also is letting us know That hey These are just items Or things As a result Because they are just things And items We have a limit in terms of its capacity usage. There's a limit in terms of the capacity usage of these things, these items. The reality of the situation is once it serves its purpose, the value of it can be diminished. It can wear down. You personally can grow out of the need for it. And in some cases, Over time, you can start to realize that maybe my goal of constantly upgrading, my goal of constantly buying the upgraded version of the same thing with a few adjustments may not be as necessary as I thought it was. And you'll be surprised what crosses your mind when you have time to reflect. I believe Jesus is also highlighting that over time, things, in fact, can become useless. They can get old. And when you think about the exposure that it has, you start to realize that the things you do have aren't always protected well enough to keep others from placing their sticky fingers on it.
1: Is interesting because,
0: you know, when an item is well known, guess what? People have this desire to want to purchase it. And in some instances, people go as far as even though they can't afford it, they don't have the self-control that would prevent them from trying to steal it. And again, this has a lot to do with the satisfying of societal appearances. And I'm talking about material possessions. How often have we looked in the news and we've heard someone stealing an iPhone or someone stealing a Gucci belt or someone stealing something of high monetary value? And in some cases, this is happening to our youth. Now, unfortunately, this is the result of not knowing who we are outside of having these amazing societal appearances, items. You know, another aspect is appreciating the struggle, learning to do without until you have. And once you do have, well. You will appreciate its value once it becomes attainable in your own timing. Sadly, in this world, there is no security that would keep you from never having anything stolen because
1: people still quite often
0: and they still quite often because Sometimes it's envious. Sometimes it's jealousy. Sometimes it's feeling good based upon what the standard is in society. Just want to give you a different perspective on why stealing does happen. And in other cases, stealing is a result of the need, needing,
1: needing things. So sometimes you have to evaluate what is a need and what is something that I want. If it's something that I want, then you can reasonably understand that you can do without. In other cases, people that don't have that luxury and live in less affordable homes and impoverished areas
0: they still has a need of survival, but viewing this more on in the context of what Jesus is saying, when you look at it in a modern lens,
1: you have to ask yourself when you open up your eyes to see, hey. What you truly care about, what do you truly care about? What real value do I place in things?
0: And can it be kept where dust collects or where it could be stolen easily by others where boundaries would not be honored? got to ask yourself that question and that's obviously comes in verses 21 to 20 20 to 21 now let's look at that verse 20 to 21 it says but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroying where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also if you really understand this concept Jesus is driving home, you'll notice that it's not about physical things. Instead, it's about what you prioritize as important, the value that you place, which will be decided from your heart at times. We'll touch on this a bit more in the conclusion when it's time to drive the point home and add in and everything else. So again, I just want to emphasize and stress the point that, of course, stealing is something that is unacceptable it's a sin. But I just want you to see that when you read a passage and it's talking about certain things, obviously it's contingent based upon the circumstance, right? And under the circumstances, Some people are stealing as a result of a need and not a want. And obviously, in what Jesus is talking about, it was not a need, it was a want. Right?
1: So let's continue. We go to verses 22 to
0: 23 of Matthew 6. This is what it says next. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you and it's full of darkness, how great is that darkness? i read it one more time. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The truth of the matter is the value of a good set of eyes matters. According to what Jesus is doing is he's making a distinction. And rightly so. When you think about what eyes have the capacity to do, you'll come to soon enough realize that they are the interest to our hearts, our minds, and our souls. It was Jesus who said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 14, that we'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Again, it says you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. To have a good set of eyes is to uh, become aware of truth. To have a good set of eyes is right is to realize truth and understand its value and its meaning. To have a good. Set of eyes is to look at things from a Christ-centered point of view. To have a good set of eyes is to interpret things in a particular fashion that it becomes obvious that you are an instrument used for righteousness and not wickedness. To have a good set of eyes is to have the ability to discern what you see and know the difference between what is good and what is evil. If the motives of
1: godly or ungodly, will this bring about corruption or peace? That's
0: what it's like to have a good set of eyes. So when you look at the parable, I took out a portion of it. When we look at Matthew 13, 14, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. It's important that understanding is at the forefront, right? In the book of Proverbs, it says, with all thy getting, get understanding. But most importantly, perceiving is a very important element on how you go about making decisions. And the do's and don'ts in certain environments that you enter in the spaces that you're involved in. You have to be able to see things. And respond accordingly. Okay? Now, to have a bad set of eyes is to be limited in your perception. Let's unpack this a bit more by going to one of my favorite passages, Luke chapter 10. And we're going to reverse this 25 through 26 in the NLT. Again, it's Luke chapter 10. We're going to read verses 25 through 26 in NLC. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? How do you read it? To have a bad set of eyes is to read God's word with an agenda that looks to find fault. To have a bad set of eyes is to have a bias and a prejudice when you read the scripture. To read His word through a lens that lacks accountability is to change. Is also is to change what the narrative was meant to explain, and to provide false interpretations. That can alienate the believer. That's what it looks like when you have bad eyes. I'll say that again. To have a bad set of eyes is to have a bias and a prejudice when you read the scripture, to read his word through a lens that lacks accountability, and to change what the narrative was meant to explain by also providing false interpretations that can alienate the believer you can perceive that that person has a bad set of eyes. Remember, the Bible isn't about you or I as heroes. It's about Jesus Christ, the only hero, in this story worth giving glory, honor, and praise. Amen. A bad set of eyes is being deceived by Satan and ignoring the wisdom God provided, which is in his word. A bad set of eyes is thinking you can go toe-to-toe with the devil And, of course, that's delusional thinking and believing you can win without Jesus. Remember, the devil has been around for a very long time.
1: Which means he
0: has had practice on how he can deceive and manipulate you to think certain things that are just not true. Think certain things about the world. Think certain ways about yourself.
1: And when you don't have God, you're easily open to be attacked and to be deceived. In fact, you'll see how difficult it is sometimes
0: in the worst moments possible. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 to 15 English standard Version it says this again 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 14 to 15 English standard Version it says Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise for his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. their end will correspond with their deeds. Understand Satan intends, intent is to blind us from the truth and corrupt our minds. And he uses our eyes to gain entrance into our hearts. If we want to be filled with truth and life, we have to turn from sin and repent. Of course, we ask God to forgive us and cleanse us and open up our spiritual eyes to his will okay then we must commit to being careful where we allow our eyes to go we have to guard our hearts and souls by guarding our eyes which brings me to one more passage let's go to first John chapter 2 verse 16 first John chapter 2 verse 16 first John chapter two, verse 16. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version and it says, For all that is in the world, the lust, the the sensual cravings of the flesh, the lust and the longing of the eyes, the lust and the longing of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things. These not come from the father but are from the world so as you can see the lesson of the eyes with no self-control is of our own doing and it is within the world and God is not responsible for it at all instead what God does is he does us better he warns us he makes us aware of it through John. That we should be watching out for this. Remember, it was James who said this also. Let's go to James chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 13 through 15. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. And it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desires when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin when its full grown, brings forth death. Very powerful scriptures here. Very self-explanatory here. Before we bring... Verses 19 through 24 together. Let's discuss verse 24. Well, actually, before we go to verse 24, I want to talk about some examples of how the lust of the eyes can be impactful
1: and destructive. You see,
0: the reason why the question is asked, where did your heart lie? Because you can have a legitimate desire to want to be married. You can have a legitimate desire to want to date. And because of the lust of the eyes, you're not cautious, you're not careful. As a grown man, you can be looking at a married woman. You can want to pursue that. There's something wrong with that. You could be a grown woman and see a married man. And want to pursue that There's something wrong
1: with that Something we mentioned earlier
0: You can see something in the store that you really want And pursue to steal it Based upon the lust that you
1: have By what you see That's not cool
0: We can't do those things Everything that your heart yearns for, yarns for, everything that your heart is yearning for, you can't always have. can't always have it. Which is why the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh are things that John is warning us about. Because quickly, instantly, we can think that we deserve these things. And rightly so. You might believe that you deserve these things. But this is the reason why reflecting and thinking about it is critical. A lot of people don't know this, but the process protects you. Protects you from a lot of things when you go through a process. When you skip the process and you jump right to it, you miss out on the reasoning that you're capable of doing before you make an ill-advised choice. So keep that in mind. Let's go back to verse 24. It says, No one can serve two masters for each, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's read this again. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, before we press forward, money is not the issue. In fact, money is necessary to accomplish many things in this day and age during that time as well with the addition and importance, the additive aspect of trading, obviously, during that time. And I'm sure trading in some capacity is still done now. However, the focus here is your sense of priorities.
1: The focus
0: here is your sense of priorities. When we think about what problem it is with making things idols, it's the sense of value we give it. If we say we love God, if we say we love the Lord our God with our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, that means in times of trouble, that is who we prioritize over everything else
1: that should come to the rescue. When we prioritize God, We're making him number one in our lives, which, of course, should be important. When
0: we prioritize God, we realize that because he knows all, he sees all, his standard, his direction, his stewardship supersedes everything else. when we prioritize God over everything else versus the things that make us feel good temporarily, we
1: realize that he convicts us at the right time. For those who have made
0: decisions ill-advised due to periods and times when they've been tempted, I'm pretty sure they can vouch for themselves and I can vouch for myself when I say when we don't prioritize God over everything else versus the things that make us feel good temporarily we sin
1: and right after we are convicted
0: we go to 1st John chapter 3 let's look at 1st John chapter 3 verse 18 through 19 NIV. It says, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in its presence. In the book of Job, those who are familiar with the book of Job, Job was a rich man. And there was a period in time where Satan told God, hey, you know, if you strip Job of everything he has, he will curse you to your face. And of course, if you read the scripture, it was stated that Job was a blameless man. Which means he had a level of righteousness that was good in the eyes of the Lord. And what's interesting is that when God had the conversation with Satan, he said, have you considered my servant Job? Which means God knew and understood that Job was not only loyal, but Job did things right in his eyes, and therefore God did not have an issue allowing Job to go through the tests and trials. And that's something I think we should all strive for, is that when Paul talks about us being used as instruments of righteousness. We want to be able to be used by God to give him glory, honor, and praise. We want to be able to be used by God to enter spaces and change the complexity of the evil that is happening in those spaces. We want to be used by God to be able to bring His glory, honor, and praise in situations where it looks like it never had the chance. And the way we can do that is we continue to work on ourselves and we continue to live a life worthy of our calling, whatever that might be.
1: So when you look
0: at the story of Job, he was a rich man. And everything was stripped of him. He had nothing. And how many people know that when you have nothing, most people don't have a reason to stick around. In fact, they get up and leave. They get up and leave. And guess what? When his life left him, and Job had nothing, his friends came and they... Went on for quite some time discussing and talking about things. But guess what? The most important thing that Job had was that he had God and not his money. And guess what happens when you have God and not your money? God restored everything he had plus more. God restored everything he had plus more. It says in Job chapter 42, verse 10, English Standard Version, it says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had had before. Beautiful. When you serve God, you need to know that He is your provider, He will supply. That's what you need. One example.
1: When the tax was due
0: Right And We we can actually go to the scripture for this But I want to talk about the example When the When the disciples Had to pay the tax Let's go to Matthew chapter 17 Verse 24 through 27 When they arrived in Comperium The collectors of the half shekel temple tax went up to Peter and said does not your teacher pay the half shekel Peter answered yes and when he came home Jesus spoke to him first saying this is interesting right Jesus sparked the conversation he says what do you think Simon Simon is Peter basically what do you think Simon from whom do earthly rulers collect duties or taxes from their sons, or from strangers. When Peter said, from strangers, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are exempt from taxation. However, so that we may not offend them, go to the sea and throw in a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open his mouth, you will find a shekel. Take it and give it to them to pay the temple tax for you and me. Now, this is interesting because the question that Jesus asked made me laugh when he said, What do you think, Simon, from whom do earthly rulers collect duties or taxes from their sons or from
1: strangers? And then
0: Peter said from strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the sons are exempt from taxation. And I think he's he's kind of pointing or referencing, you know, there was a period in time, I was reading Nehemiah. The biggest issue in that book, and one of the conversations that Nehemiah had with the priests and also the believer the workers was at the time, you know, they were taxing their own. And in order for people to have an opportunity. To live a life, they were suggested, it was suggested that you shouldn't be taxing your own brothers, which is why I thought it was interesting that Jesus brought it up here. Right, because the exempt aspect of this whole situation is that you shouldn't be doing that for a need and a greed and a desire to make money over people that are trying to make a living. So I, I implore you to look at that passage in Nehemiah. That's after they were successful at building the wall. And then when they got together, Nehemiah had that conversation with them and employed them to stop doing such things. So now that we've looked at verses 19 to 24, it's time for me to provide the connection. Between these verses. And the connection between these verses. Has all. To do with the condition. Of the heart. It's the condition of the heart. We go to Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 23. It says guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. That's NLT. You know verse 21. Specifically says. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also for where your treasure is, your heart will be also, which means what is foundational and of importance to you, your heart will be dialed into.
1: Convinced or motivated by and for believers, the word of God needs to be there. The word of God needs to be there to influence every step. Okay.
0: Remember, it was Jeremiah 17.9 who said, the heart is deceitfully above all things and is extremely sick. Who can understand it fully and know its secret motives? That's the question Jeremiah raises about the heart. And what happens is,
1: if God is not at the center of the heart, then the actions and choices that we make won't resemble him at all.
0: So this is the reason why we trust God to do what he says in Ezekiel 36, 26. But, f- but before we get there, I want to raise that point up again. When we think about the things that happen in society and we think about the lack of grace and mercy. Remember, there was lack of grace and mercy when Jesus entered into society and we saw how the Pharisees and the Sadducees wouldn't lift the finger when it came to assisting other people. They just wouldn't. And at that time, they were more concerned with classism and that based upon what set they belonged to, they automatically felt that they were deserving of certain things. Why do you think Jesus said, He talked about those who sit themselves in certain seats at the banquets they had this entitlement to themselves and they did not care about the least of these why do you think Jesus was so pivotal when he talked about you know when you serve others you're considered great in the kingdom a lot of this has to do with your heart has to do with the heart why do you think Jesus had to provide them examples of of taking care of people that are in need. In fact, remember Jesus washes his disciples' feet as a, as an expression of love. There was a lot of people that were in high places that had no grace and mercy, and not having any compassion for people shows that their hearts are not transformed in fact, their hearts it is the issue. The reason why we would never get on the same page in this society right now, for the most part, is the heart of the person. There are some people who are jealous. There are some people who are envious. What's this? Jealous? It's kind of the same thing. There are some people who are cold. You know, there's a portion of the scripture where it says those who forgive. Those who forgive little were never forgiven, right? A lot of this is the conditions that people have gone through express why there's a lack of empathy and there's a lack of love for others. This is why we trust in God, because in Ezekiel 36, 26 NLT, it says, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. A tender, responsive heart. That's to be aware of what's happening. That's about having compassion.
1: That's about caring for people.
0: When it comes to verse 22, 22 to 23 about and about the value of our eyes, if you really think about our eyes, you can see our eyes to our hearts
1: and have an impact on what we do next. I'll say that again, if you think about it, our
0: eyes, you'll see our hearts and our hearts have an impact on what we do next. Here's a simple verse that makes the connection. The connection between our eyes and our hearts. Pay attention here. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 through 18, it says, If anyone has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? If anyone has material possessions and sees A brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them. How can the love of God be in that person? Remember, to have healthy eyes is to see and to act from a Jesus Christ point of view. To see and to do something about it because people are in need. That's why I bring up Matthew 25, short and simple. Matthew 25. I encourage you to read.
1: Matthew 25 in its entirety.
0: And finally, verse 24 can be connected to Matthew 25 as well. I'm talking about the whole chapter again. Here's two passages I want us to check out. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 3 verse 17. Okay. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? I'm, really, I'm reiterating it again. Because this is a question that John is asking. And because it's a question that John is asking, then we also have to ask that same question. Because if we say we represent Christ, we say that we're ambassadors and representatives of him, and we see something going on, we completely ignore it, then that heart that was supposedly was placed in it in our hearts by God, we have to test it. We have to see. We have to see if we're worthy of one that has the love of God. We can't see those things and then turn a deaf eye, not a deaf eye, turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to these moments and these situations. We can't do
1: such a thing. Gotta think about
0: that. Now let's look at the last passage here. Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21. Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21, English Standard Version. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this I will tear down my barns And build larger ones And there I will store All my grain and my goods And I will say to my soul "So you have amp goods laid up For many years Relax eat drink be married But God said to him Fool this night Your soul is required of you And the things you have Prepared who will They be Who's would they be? So this is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So the question I asked is, where does your heart lie? Verse 19 to 24 speaks about what is of value to you? What actions are you
1: willing to take? And finally, what are you prioritizing?
0: These three questions need to be evaluated personally and discovered immediately. And then you will know where your heart lies. You know, I brought this question up where your heart lies because from verse 19 through 24, you're constantly asking yourself
1: your thoughts,
0: your choices. You're asking yourself these things. And when you look at verses 19 through 24, it's hard not to do an evaluation and not to see the value on how you have to check these things out. Because if you don't check these things out, then what are you really doing? You have to see what's of importance to you value-wise because we always make value judgments. You have to see what you're prioritizing because if I'm not prioritizing God and I'm prioritizing everything else but God, then that becomes my idol. Money becomes my idol. And most importantly, if my eyes and the things that I look at that are not encouraging, motivating for me to do the right thing, then the decisions and the choices that I make will be made based upon temporary feelings, and we can't do that either. So, where my heart lies is centered around these three questions that have to get answered. And it's through verses 19 through 24 in chapter 6 that I came up with this question. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you see that this is a good question to ask. And I hope that you actually ask yourself this question. Now, without further ado, we jump right into devotional time. Now, I've talked at length about where my heart lies. I want to talk about the confidence in Christ. I want to go to Ephesians 3.12. NIV, it says in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Right. So so often when men pray to God for pressing needs, a sense of sinfulness arises up to discourage them. You are unworthy. That's usually what you're asking yourself. God won't answer your prayers. You might as well stop praying this is the voice of the enemy, unfortunately. His name Satan means accuser. In, Hebrews, in Hebrew, the Bible called him the accuser of the brethren. We see that in Revelations 12, 10. And we have to realize that the devil accuses all believers. If you've given your heart to Christ, God has forgiven you. If there's current sins that you haven't repented, of however it will hinder god from blessing you in this life we can look and learn more about that in isaiah 59 verses 1 through 2 but when this but know this god will forgive you as you confess your failings to him we learn this in first john 1 9 the devil may try to tell you that God won't forgive you, but don't listen to that nonsense, nor that lie. God does. God actually does forgive. Therefore, I'm saying. Let's come only to his throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in him and his help. And that passage obviously is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And in Hebrews 4 15, it talks about Christ being in our shoes and living a life we couldn't live and not sinning. And we owe everything we have to Him. So I close out with prayer by saying this Father, I've come to you for mercy. I ask you to forgive my sins and to give me the confidence. That when I pray to you, you will hear an answer. And we say this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.